Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. My name is Chris Martinez. We're going to start a new series today over the book of 2 Peter. Um, so if you have uh, your Bibles, we're, we're going to go through this book over the next few weeks and it's something where I encourage you not just to listen to me talk about it on Sundays, um, but to actually read it during the first, um, d- during the week. So we're going to go through chapter one a little bit today. Um, we're going to talk about it. I think God has put this on my heart for a reason. Um, but I encourage you to go home over the next few weeks and read this book. And here's something, maybe even read it more than once. I mean, dig into it. Maybe ask some questions, do some research, try to get an understanding of what is happening in the Scriptures, because I think there's some good things that happen in there that, that, we, can, uh, that we can use today in our lives. Uh, we have an outline. If you need an outline, you can raise your hand. We can get you one. Um, or you can follow along in the Bible app. We do have the Bible app. It should be uploaded um, in there, and you can follow along with that. But let's go and let's um, open up with a word of prayer, and then we're going to read the Scripture. And I, I believe God is, um, has something for us. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we acknowledge this is your word. Lord, I didn't write this. Nobody in this room wrote this. Lord, the holy men of old spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that this is a word that you've given us to make us wise for salvation, to make us fruitful, to make us strong. And so let your word sit with us today so that we could be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going to read the scripture. I'm going to try to make it practical. I'm going to try to make it easy to understand, Um, but but it is the Word of God. And so in verse 1 of uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, uh, Simeon Peter. Um, Some of your books might say Simon Peter. Um, He's the guy who wrote it. That's why it's called 2 Peter. But I want you to see how he refers to himself. He, he, He brings out his first name, Simon. Um, Simeon is like the Aramaic uh, equivalent to that. Uh, He brings that right into the conversation, and then he calls himself a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. See, that's probably not how many of us would have started the letter, because by this point in Peter's life, Peter had done some pretty amazing things. Peter is one of two people that I know about that walked on water. If I walk on water... That's going on my business card, like straight out, like, Chris, remember, I walked on water. Remember me? Like, that's who I am. He had also preached the first sermon that we have recorded after the Holy Spirit came, and thousands of people got saved. People from all over the world were in Jerusalem, and Peter stands up, and he preaches the first sermon ever that under the power of the Spirit and people get saved and baptized. The church starts um, as the Spirit comes, and Peter immediately does more than triple it, because it went from 120 people in that room to uh, thousands of people getting saved. Um, Peter also, it says that that, uh, he raised people from the dead. He prayed for them, and they, they came alive. It also says that Peter 
walked with the Lord in such a way and people reached out to him so that even his shadow healed people. Like people were like, if I could just get close enough and just get under his shadow, maybe God could heal me. But when Peter writes this book, he doesn't say any of that. To me, that's the mark of a great leader. He didn't point to his accomplishments. He didn't point to Peter, the shadow guy. Peter, the walking on water guy. Peter, you know I've raised somebody from the dead guy? He says, hey, it's Simon. And in fact, if you think about it, Peter was the name that Jesus had given him. Jesus said, hey, you're basically, I'm going to call you the rock. It was his nickname. But he, he brings out his original name, and he's like, Simon, it's just me, the fisherman. And he says, I'm a servant, and I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then it says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to stop there, and on the back, there's some things you can fill in. And one of the first things you can fill in is, is our faith is just as good as anyone's faith. Peter writes that in his letter. He says, to those who have attained like precious faith, a faith that's equally as good as ours. Do you know that your faith, and I want you to understand this, and I was trying to think, how can I put this into words? But, but your faith is just as good as Peter's faith. Because it's not the faith that matters, it's what the faith is in. And if your faith is in Jesus Christ, well then it's good enough. It's just as good. We're talking the guy who walked on water, right? We're talking about the guy who raised the dead, the guy who, who preached and thousands got saved. He's saying, you have a faith just as good as mine. Look at it. Put that verse up there. It says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing. It's talking about the content of what you believe. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then your faith is good enough. It's good enough. It's of equal standing. That's the beauty of how he starts this letter off. There's, there's no favorites in the kingdom of God. Like, we, we are all blessed through Christ. Christ was the favored one. He was the favorite one. And, and we are blessed through him. And we get all of our blessings because of him. And it says, a faith of equal standing with ours. And so Peter's pulling it together, saying it's, it's the same kind of faith I have by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then he says, may peace, I'm sorry, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ or Jesus our Lord. See, so yes, our faith is of equal standing, but then he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. If you go through the scriptures... And you'll notice that when the, an apostle or someone writes a letter to someone, um, they often start off with grace and peace to you. Those are the two most important things you can have. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved 
favor of God. And church, may that be on your life. May God's love be on your life. May his grace be all over you. And may you have peace. Peace that it doesn't matter what your next paycheck says. It doesn't matter what the bill collector says. It doesn't matter what your body says. But you may have peace. Freedom from anxiety, fear, and worry. Because you know whose you are. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And where does this grace and peace come from? It says the knowledge of God, knowing God and of Jesus our Lord. See, that's where we have to grow. And Peter's going to break it down and he's going to help us understand. Um, Verse 3 It says, his divine power, and if this doesn't get you excited, your wood is wet. Your wood is wet and your heart is cold. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given us everything we need for life. Do you believe it? Or do you not believe it? But Peter's saying he's, he's done it. The power of God has given, it's bestowed everything you need. And again, where does it come? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Another thing you can write down, it says he's given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Like you have to know that. You have to believe that, and you have to receive that. What do you need for life? Make your list of what do you need to live? What do you need to flourish? God has that for you. God has that for you. What do you need to be godly? What do you need to overcome? What are you struggling with that's keeping you from being godly? God could take care of that for you. God's done that in Christ. He wants you to live a full life and to be godly, and he's made the provision. He's granted it to you. Um, Verse 4, it says, by which he has granted, there's the word granted again. So up there in verse 3, it says, he's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us everything we need. And in verse 4, he's explaining it a little more. It says, he's granted to us, us, if we're believers, that same like precious faith, that same faith that is just as good as anyone else's, he's granted to us his precious and very great promises. God does not break his promises. You'll break yours, I'll break mine, but he will never break his. He says he's granted, he's given us. And then look, this is, this is insane. This is really wild what Peter's saying here. It says so that through them, through what? Through his promises, very great promises, you, you, may become partakers of the divine nature. That is amazing. 
That is saying that, that the thing you can write in, the promises of God allow us to part, take part in his nature. You can write that in. That's another thing that you can write in. The promises of God allow us to take part in his nature. And here's how you might understand this is, is Christ came into flesh and he took part in our nature. He took part of our flesh. He, he lived a perfect life. He died in our place. And he shares his life with us. It's not complicated, but it's amazing. His blood was poured out for you. Now, when I say partakers of the divine nature, I'm not saying you're God. But I'm saying God has allowed his spirit to live in you. To live in you. To come to be part of you. That, that God has promised that, that you could be born again. Born of the spirit. A new man or woman. Partakers to take part in his nature. Man, how would the church be different if we really believe this? How would the church really be different? What would we look like? I mean, if you really believed that God's spirit was inside of you, changing you, that you could partake in God's nature, that you could have God in you, and that you could be born again, made new. It's almost like you would have everything that you need for life and godliness. All right, let's keep going. Um, and we'll keep going. After, after divine nature, it says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We know this world is corrupt. Go talk to a police officer a teacher, people that go to the store, somebody, if you ever pump gas, if you've ever met another human being, you know this world is corrupt. You don't have, we don't have to beat that point. But, but through being a partaker of his nature, we can be made new and be different and be changed because that sinful desire can be killed, can be re redeemed. It says, verse 5, it says, for this reason. So we started off talking about faith, and we're not going to get off of faith, but we're going to see what he says. For this reason, make every effort. Make every effort. Wow. It's by faith. It's by grace through faith. I know the power of faith. It's all God. But make every effort. Can you say, can I say, can we say that we've made every effort to, to live according to his promises and to partake of his divine nature and to live a transformed life? Have we made every effort to, to commune with God and to know God and to, and, and to walk in the fullness with him? Have you made every effort? Have I made every effort? That's the last thing I want to say, and then we're going to get into to some things that we should put our effort into, but God's promise should inspire our effort. If God gives us his best, which is his son, Jesus Christ, we should give him our best, right? Not that it's good enough. Not that we're perfect. It's probably very bad. It's like, you know... When your kid, when they're very little and they bring you a drawing, 
And you're like, wow, that's beautiful. My kids are awesome, and they're probably going to get mad at me, but they made in our hallway upstairs um, through all their bedrooms, and, and I won't tell you what's there. I really want to show you. But instead of a hall of fame, they've made the hall of lame. And they've taken all the pictures they've painted over the years that they, all of a sudden they're looking at now, and they're like, ew. And they hang them up there, and if one of the kids takes a weird picture on somebody's phone, they printed it out and hung it on the wall. And they've got all these little awards, and they call it the Hall of Lame. And they just make fun of each other all down it, but it's hilarious. So our effort might be lame, but it's the best we got. And are we giving our best effort? So let's go back up here, and I'm going to read through this, and we're going to talk a little bit more. And so it says, verse 5 says, make every effort, because for this reason, because he's given us promises, He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Make every effort to supplement. That word supplement, in some translations you might see add. It means basically to add generously. Don't just add just enough, add more than enough. So you add to your faith. We've already discovered that our faith is just as good as anybody else's. Your faith is just as good as Peter's faith. Just as good as John's faith. Just as good as Paul's faith. Just as good as Billy Graham's faith. It is just as good. But to your faith, supplement it with virtue. And then to your virtue, add some knowledge. And to your knowledge, add some self-control. And to your self-control, add some steadfastness. And to your steadfastness, add godliness. Verse 7. And to godliness... Add brotherly affection, and to brotherly affection, finish it off with love. And verse 8, and this is why we're starting here this week, church. It says, if, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no if to the promises. Promises are given. There's no if. God has already given you a promise in his son, Jesus Christ, and he proved it by raising him from the dead. He said, you want to know how serious I am? My son will die, and I will prove that I love you by bringing him back up, and I can raise you in him through faith. There's no if in the promises. But there's sometimes an if in these qualities. But if they're there, it says they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. Have you been ineffective in your walk with the Lord? That's a tough, that, that's reflection. It's just a question. I'm not pointing fingers, but we know that at least there's somebody here, not you, but somebody in this room that's been ineffective. Nobody look around. Have you been unfruitful in your walk with the Lord? Like you got a goose egg. When you're looking for the number of people that you've influenced for Jesus, it's a goose egg. It's a zero. You've done, maybe you have a negative one because you pushed a few people away because you were a jerk. Maybe it's a negative 10. But it's, you know, some of you might just be working towards zero to break even. So am I. 
I don't want to be ineffective. I don't want to be unfruitful. These are traits I'm working on, traits I want in my life. And so we're going to talk about them and kind of as the progression in them. So we're going to talk about these. The first one it says is faith. Add faith. Faith. Ken, come over here quickly. Come on, I know you're young and spry. Thank you. All right. We have faith. Faith is confidence, assurance, being persuaded. If you are not persuaded that Jesus Christ died for you and rose again, this is where you need to start. You start with putting your trust and, and being confident in what God has done. Are you there? I'm there. He's there. So he's on the path. After faith, what does it say? Stay there, brother. I didn't say you can go anywhere. You don't stop believing. After faith, this is where it gets entering. It says add some virtue. Virtue. Caleb, come over here. Virtue. Now, this is a, one of the hardest words in this whole list. If you go and you break out the, the Greek language and you look at every word in this list, it's not used very much um, in the New Testament. Um, and so there's some debate as to what it can mean. I'm going to tell you the two things that it could mean, and then I'll show you which one I think it means. Um, uh, some of your Bibles will translate it just like this. Excellence of character, moral goodness, valor. Those first few. Just that you're good. The other ones will translate it something along the line of manly power or a manifestation of um, divine power or almost a sense of, uh, I was trying to like put a little motion in your ocean, like a little movement, a little, a little go get it type of thing. I'm not sure exactly which one is right. I don't know that you add right to faith and then you're morally excellent. That might be exactly what God is saying. But I do think is that after you believe, you definitely got to get in motion. You got to manifest that divine power. You're not perfect, but you've believed. And if that belief is real, it should allow you to begin to do something different. If you went from not believing in Jesus to all of a sudden you found the Lord Jesus Christ, there should be an action, a, a, a manifestation that comes out of it. Your heart should begin to change, and you should begin to move. And then what does he say add after that? Knowledge. Mike, come over here. Mike Clue, come here, man, hurry. You got long legs, you're faster than I am. So knowledge. It says you add knowledge, so you start with faith. Then you get some virtue, some, some demonstration of the power, some moral excellence. And then it adds some knowledge. And isn't this really how it begins with a lot of believers? They start off with faith, and then they get fired up, and they want to do something, but they lack this. They've got no knowledge. And then we have a bunch of believers that we don't have any Moral virtue, excellence, manly power, just ready to go. But we got knowledge. And we're like, you can't do that. Oh, just wait. But we need them together. 
We need some umph, some motion. And then we need some knowledge, some understanding. And how do you think knowledge is going to come? Maybe reading, studying, listening. It ain't just going to drop into your brain. That ain't going to happen. It ain't go that way. No, it does not happen that way. But get some knowledge, some intellectual grasp. And then the next thing it says, steadfastness. Mr. Holden, come over here. This one reminds me of you. Oh, I'm sorry. No, sit down, Holden. <laughs> Self-control. Dan, come over here, Dan. Self-control. Self-control means managing yourself. Managing yourself, keeping yourself in line, resisting temptation. Doesn't this make sense? You begin to believe, and then you want to go get it, and so you go after it, but you don't know where you're going, so you have to learn a little more. And then once you've learned some stuff, you're like, crap, I can't do that. And you got to say no. Not that you couldn't, but that you shouldn't. And you make a choice, even though you're a free human, that I'm not going to do that because it's not good for me. Because I want more out of my life than where I'm currently at. The only way you're going to be effective and fruitful is if you walk through this process. And you learn when to tell yourself no. Slap your own hand. Be like, no, not today, self. We spend a lot of time rebuking Satan when the bigger problem is self. Then after self-control, Holden, come on. Now this reminds me of you. I apologize, brother. Then it says steadfastness. Thank you, brother, for putting up with me. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> steadfastness. I love this man right here. He's, he's a blessing. But this is really a military term. And I know my brother was in there. And plus, he just looks like it. endurance, fortitude, strength, staying with it. In other words, it's not just saying no once. It's always saying no. It's learning how to say no the 10th time, the 20th time. And then just when you thought you had it beat, and everything looks clean, and it rises up again, you stand fast. You said, no, I've made my decision, because I have my faith, and I want to do this. There's something in me that's driving me, and I've learned what I need to do, and I'm practicing self-control, and I'm going to remain steadfast. The next thing, godliness. Honey, would you come up here, please? I call her honey. You can call her Emmerich. This is my wife. Godliness. Reverence. Towards, this is an interesting word. It really means the way you relate to people in authority. Especially God and the people on this planet in authority. That you're acting holy. Reverent. But you have to go through the process you have to make every effort, and every effort, every step along the way, it's faith. I've partaken of the divine nature. 
I have these promises, so that makes me want to do more, but I don't know what to do, so I got to study and I got to learn and I got to get good people in my life to ask questions. And then, crap, they've showed me some things I can't do anymore or some things I got to do, so I got to be self controlled. And it was fun for a week, but now week two comes and you got to stay with it and be steadfast. And before you know it, you're godly, you're holy. Your life is reflecting the image of your maker. And then it says, add brotherly love to that. Buck and Rhonda, come over here. Brotherly love, brotherly affection. This is like the love of a family. It means the love between those people who share the same blood, but it also came into use for the love that the church has. And it was a, something that the Greeks and the people in pagan culture really hated about the church. They didn't understand how the church could love people that way, and they were not blood brothers. They were not blood sisters. They, they didn't hold, have any uh, familial bonds. It was something that drove them crazy. You can read through some of the apologists. But so you've gone through this process, and now you're godly, and, and now you had to have the same love for the people in your body that are in this path that no matter where they are, if they're just coming to faith, you love them just as much as you've ever loved anybody. And when they're excited, you love them and you guide them into knowledge. And when they've got some knowledge, then you teach them how to self-control. And then that's a whole process in itself. And finally, they get steadfast. And then finally, they're acting godly. And then you begin to add brotherly affection. And then the very last thing you do if these are yours and they're ever increasing, you won't be ineffective or unfruitful is you add love. Zane, come over here. You add love. That's having warm regard and affection, loving concern, but you can't take out the action. Now, I know Zane's a loving guy. He's, he's quick to jump into action. Is he on the same path as I am? Yes, I'm sure. There's things he's learning about. There's areas he's growing in self-control. He fights to stir himself up and be excited. Hopefully, he maintains the faith, and he's trying to be steadfast and be godly and love the brothers. But, you know, if you've been around your brothers long enough, sometimes you want to punch your brother in the face, all right? But that's just what it's like to have a brother. You don't do it, but you feel that way. But then you, you just have a, a warm regard and affection for all people. It's love with action. And I know Zane. Zane is somebody who loves. He's not a mechanic, but I've seen him go try to help people fix their car. It's not the overwhelming mechanical gift that's drawing him. It's his love for his sisters and brothers in the Lord. Do you, have you ever loved somebody that much to put yourself out there and say, I'll come help? Ow. No, I'll come take care of it. Oh, instead of no, I'll pray for you. Definitely on my prayer list, brother. Sister, I'll be praying for you tonight. But hey, yeah, I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to come over there and we can figure it out together. Yeah, get the parts and, and we'll work on it. But the scripture is very clear, and if we could put the end back up these things... Um, Go back up to verse 7 real quick. Verse 7, it says, If these qualities are yours, 
and are increasing, then they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The opposite would be, if they're not yours, or if they're diminishing, you could pretty much guarantee that you're going to be ineffective and unfruitful, and your life will be meaningless. Smile. I mean, I don't know what to say after that, but verse 9. For whoever lacks these things is so nearsighted that he is blind. And he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his own sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Or fall, I'm sorry. This is a great path. I hope you've learned something. I appreciate you guys for putting up with me and coming, especially Ken. You've been here the longest, so thank you, brother. Give Ken a hand, everybody, and everybody else. You guys can sit back down. Thank you. But do you see how there's, a, there, there, there's, there's some effort? There's some places you can put your effort to gaining knowledge, self-control, keeping up with your endurance, loving your brothers, and there's some promise that goes. It says, man, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling. That word confirm means almost make, make it happen, make, make it done. And, and I don't want to go into this thing that's saying that it's not all God because it is all God. But I think Peter is very clear that here's our responsibility within this. Here's what the divine nature wants to do in you, and that if you believe in Jesus, and you recognize these promises, and if you've touched the divine nature, and your life begins to change, this is how you begin to change. Think real quick, where were you on that list? Are you in the just coming to faith part? Are you excited, but you don't know what to do? Are you gaining some knowledge but lack self-control and you're not living up to what you really believe? Or maybe you're practicing self-control but now you need to endure and learn how to hold it for more than a day or two? Or maybe you're dealing with the way you um, interact with authorities or your brotherly affection or your love. I don't know. But I believe we're all there we all need to be growing in that. Would you bow your heads with me real quick? Would you close, close your eyes just for a second? Perhaps God spoke to you. I don't know. I, I think his word is good and it excites me. But if God spoke to you during this message and you feel like he's, he's shown you where your effort needs to be focused, that you can honestly say, you know what, I think I know where I need to focus my next step in my walk with Jesus. Because you don't want to be ineffective or unfruitful. Would you put your hand up if you could say, you know what, I think I know what my next step is. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Well, God, you saw every hand that went up. Lord, and you saw the hands that didn't go up. For the hands that went up, give them the strength, the grace, God. Not that they're doing it on their own strength, but they are partaking of the divine nature and what you've given them for life and for godliness. And I pray that would would work out in their life and create us into the people you want us to be. And for people that maybe don't know their next step, I pray you'd show us. God, you'd show us what our next step should be. Show us where you want us to grow and how you want us to be fruitful. God, because I know I haven't arrived. Lord, I know I have plenty of places to grow in. And we pray for your mercy and your grace to be rich and that you would gently lead us along your path. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. I hope you guys leave encouraged. I hope you leave with some vision. I hope that you would read the book, um, Second Peter, over the next uh, couple weeks. We're going to be going through it, and I hope that you would dig into it. And um, I, I think there's some very powerful statements in there. Here's a, a thing that we're doing a little bit different. Um, we have um, a prayer area in the back now. Everybody can look back and see the large man in the Hawaiian shirt. Um, behind, to his side, there's a prayer. David, not you. You turn around, man. But there's a prayer area over there. If you need prayer, we know that we wanted to create a space for you that you could get prayer and not feel like everybody was up next to you making lots of noise when maybe they're moving chairs or doing things like that. So we're going to invite our prayer teams that have been going to pray. You can go back there. And if you need prayer for any reason after church, um, that's the place that you can begin to go. It's a little bit off to the side so people aren't looking at you. And we would love to be praying for you. Um, in addition, you can fill out a prayer card because we do have a team that takes those seriously. And you could put them in the box there on the back on the pole. But would you guys stand with me, please, as we close? Father, we thank you for this day. I pray for us. God, I pray for us in this church. May grace and peace be multiplied to us. May we have tons of grace and tons of peace in our lives. And may we be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed. Love on some people on your way out. Have a great day and a great week. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>